Looking for coffee that can finally give you the flavor and experience you have been missing? Then your next coffee order should be from SeasteakCoffee.com. Seasteak Coffee is premium, hand-selected, highest-grade available coffee that is roasted on order, delivered fresh to you. And right now, you can take 20% off your order by using the code GRIND20. That's G-R-I-N-D and the number 20 for 20% off your Seasteak Coffee order. Head over to SeasteakCoffee.com and enjoy the smoothest and most caffeinated coffee available. Start your day off right with C-State Coffee. This week on the Route 16 Grind, we are going to have a hunting-only discussion. We're going to catch up with an old friend, and I have a fantastic interview, one that I talked about that I wanted to really get. It's, you know, been trying to get it out, been really busy, have a lot of things to share with you, but this specific podcast, we are going to talk about hunting and I'm really excited about it. It's going to be really great. I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. I don't want to give too much away because I want to go right in the show. So stand by because here we go. Route 16 Grind, episode 37. Hunt free! Welcome to the Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So grab your cup, sit back, and enjoy the show. What is up, everybody? It's been a minute, hasn't it? It's been a little while. So if I sound congested, it's because I am. This North Carolina pollen is absolutely getting to me right now. Uh, we have a special guest host tonight. I'm super excited about this. And uh, yeah, well, hey, special guest host, welcome to the Route One Says Grind. Tell us who you are. What's up, buddy? Oh my gosh, it's uh, Chuck. It's while, huh? Yeah, man, it's I'm so glad to have you, dude. So glad to have you back uh, to to say that uh, I missed you is uh, an understatement. It's just. It's a different show, um, and I know you got you got like a lot of special things happen in your life. I'm super excited for you, and you got your priorities right. Um, but yeah, it's great to have you back, and I think this is going to be a super special episode. Something I've been holding tight on, and I'm just glad you're here to share it with us. Good deal, man. Yes, uh, good to be back. So I what? We talked a couple weeks ago, and uh, just decided to get together and do this like pre turkey season and everything. Kind of give a rundown on the past few months. Oh man, yeah, been, we're gonna to to talk about turkeys tonight. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been operating at 100 miles an hour ever since the last podcast. So. Yeah, man, you got a lot of things going on. Um, you know, with uh, your your group that you've been you know supporting, uh, your family life, all that, and I, I guess also with work. Um, so yeah, man, what what's going on with like your uh, volunteer stuff? What you been doing there? Trying to navigate COVID um really was super interesting um just from the standpoint of you can't do any events and anything like that so uh it was really i'll be totally honest like i got unplugged from a lot of stuff during that time because it was it's very difficult for me to get up for social media events and things like that which is probably uh it's a different feel probably a negative yeah, it's it's a negative. Other people were doing stuff and everything, but it's just it was it's difficult for me. So I spent a lot of time uh, sending emails, making phone calls, and stuff like that, and trying trying to do stuff behind the scenes and stay active. Um, 
it was a super difficult year for the for the groups like the Elk Foundation that relied on money. Oh uh, yeah, we, absolutely. Because of, because of the banquets, yeah, couldn't, couldn't run any banquets. We ended up being able to put together a banquet for the Elk Foundation in November. We had to change venues. Um, it was a little different than usual. Not, uh, I, I say watered down. Wasn't as watered down as we were expecting it to be. We were able to 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 generate some dollars and the, the auction off some stuff, sell some stuff, uh, sell some raffle tickets and everything. So we were able to raise some money, uh, which we were lucky. Wasn't a, wasn't a whole lot of money raised east of the Mississippi last year for the Elk Foundation. So, oh man, that's that's, that's tragic. And, it, and I know all sorts of different groups are. That's been a hard thing with a lot of different nonprofits yeah. out there. It's been you said, yeah. it, man, it's a challenge. And the this, you know, I I deal a lot with uh, the uh, video conferencing and stuff at work and. You know, it, it, it is, I get it. It's okay for certain things, but when you want to have really those uh, exciting moments and everything, you really need to see people's faces. You really need to see the energy. It's nice to be in that type of crowd. And, and again, to mingle, yeah. I mean, and if you really want to learn about stuff, you got to get out there and get face to face time. I mean, it's a different feel and yeah. I, I get it, man. I'm glad that a lot of these things are kind of like, you know, starting to phase out. And, and, and just honestly, I think the, you know, people are being a little bit more creative too. I know that's something that I did yeah. myself and kind of figure and navigate around it. And I've been pretty fortunate to do that. Um, but yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, t- turkey season, I took my son out last week and uh, I didn't, yeah, I've, I've really got, I've been kind of off and on with social media, even with the brand, because I've been just so focused on some separate projects that I've been doing. Uh, like, but I want to talk about Turkey. So I took my son out there, man. And we were in our blind by like 6 AM sun up was at seven Oh one and about six 30, dude, it was just like, you know, all sorts of gobbles and stuff, dude. It was like a rock show. I mean, I really felt like we were surrounded and they were going to invade us. And I'm looking at my son, Austin, like, all right, man, I have no idea what he thinks going to come from. Just got to be ready. (laughs) You know? So but they never presented themselves. Um, we were out there for a while. Yeah. And then there was another group, uh, uh, a guy that I hunt with. He was on the other separate side of the property and he had his son out there and they were getting ready to move, you know? So we're communicating and he's like, Hey man, we're going to move to a different spot. I said, yeah, cool. And they, we made sure where everybody was at, you know, just cause of fires and all that kind of stuff like that. And, uh, and all of a sudden I heard this, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm, all right. And I'm waiting to see if like, Hey, did he get one? And then like, you know, 15 minutes go by, he goes, Hey, got one, you know? And this thing was a 21 pound, uh, bird gobbler. It had like a 10 inch beard. It was just under an Mm -hmm. inch of spurs, just a beautiful, beautiful Turkey, man. And this is a 10 year old. He took a, about a 20 yard shot with a 20 gauge and I couldn't be any more proud of my, both my son and I were both like, Hey man, congratulations. It's awesome. And I was like, dude, you just set yourself a kind of high bar for your first Turkey dude. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was beautiful, man. I was so excited for him. And, uh, That's we, a big heavy bird. Yeah, man. And, uh, we, we decided, Hey, we'll just come back in, in the afternoon. So we did, we got out back in a blind about, I want to say three thirty four, and we were in there for an hour, dude, nothing. And then I just thought, Hey, let's go explore. So we walked around and I'll be honest with you. I couldn't even find a damn track, dude. Um, and the, what's interesting yeah. is the field that we have access to. So it's all like wooded, you know, pine trees, oak, hardwoods, all that kind of stuff. But there's a huge like agriculture field there. And last year it had, you know, corn that was already cropped up. 
and it was just like kind of like the you know one inch stalk sitting out of the ground still, so it was an open field. This year it's yep. wheatgrass. So yeah, no, no dice, brother. Yeah, man. So those like what you yep. what I would normally see is the uh, like three different flocks crossing into the field. Nope, that ain't happening this year, man. Yeah. So we got to get we, in the woods. Wheat kills them, man. Wheat, yeah, wheat. A wheat field is is devastating to success because when they when we were in a lease, me and some buddies uh, a few years ago, the neighboring property alternated crops like all farmers do. Yeah, and the years when it was a when it was a corn year, it was uh, awesome. But when it was because even though we couldn't hunt the field, we could get on the edge. We could locate birds. Um, we cut birds off. Pretty reliable destination spot for them. But when it was wheat, even the guys that hunted it, they their success rate was the pits because yeah. you just can't you, you you can't predict them as well. They're they're in the woods or they move to another property somewhere that is open somewhere that's corn. So yeah, oh, wheat's no bueno. I'm lucky now. I don't I don't have to deal with that anymore. I'm I'm hunting horse pastures and hardwoods and whatnot. But uh, yeah, the the wheat's uh, a bummer. On yeah. Cycle. Well, this property is fortunately we got about 300 acres. Um, so there's plenty of places to go and. I, there's this one place that, you know, just from the last couple of years of going out there, um, there's a dusting area that they just all seem to navigate to at some point. And, you know, that place always has kind of like you can, can see the action there. So I think next time I go out, which might be next Sunday, I'm going to kind of go into that area. It's mostly wooded set up. a, And I have this wall blind that I really like, man. It's like it looks like an oversized lawn chair when you're carrying it, but it pops out mm-hmm. and it just, it's a, uh, it's a rhino blind really like it. Um, it's just really easy, lightweight, um, and has a lot of cover. So if you get, if you find a good, you know, background that you can get against, uh, it's just perfect. It really is. And you're not covered, uh, like, you know, having one of those dome blinds and stuff that you can have. Um, so there's, there's flexibility with it that, that I like it. I think one right. of the takeaways is, yeah, you do have to carry it in, but yeah, no big deal. Uh, and what, right. So, but yeah, that that's great there, man. And I also been doing like uh, a lot of volunteer stuff. So I've been involved in getting my village like uh, started this uh, community emergency response team. So what they do is augment law enforcement and uh, emergency services for disasters and like you know CPR support or traffic management right. and, and all that kind of thing. And it's just getting that off the ground. Like we had, to, I started that through COVID. I think we were the only ones in the entire state to activate during the entire COVID thing. And it, oh, yeah. it, it was crazy. It was hard to do. It was a challenge, but we were able to do it. And I got 13 members who are in it. And then we have six members who are certified to support to do, like if there's a call out for CPR, um, the team gets an alert and says, hey, the CPR in progress. And those members who have certified into what's called CPR pit crew training, they can go to the scene and support that role to continue to provide you know whatever is needed to, to hopefully help this person you know be sustain uh, stabilized to get to the hospital and all that so really excited about that taking a lot of work you know because if you know it's like it's kind of like what you do with what your organizations too is if you don't do it then you know no one's really going to step up but once you step up then you can get other people energized uh, so there's just yep. been a, a lot of logistics involved a lot of things dealing with the county as well as the local village 
you're getting supplies, all sorts of stuff that people just don't think about. You got to make sure that happens, man. Hey, we need to get a trailer, yep. we need to generate, like all this stuff. And so we're able to get it, but it just takes time. And, and you know, time's not a lot of things that I have right now, but, um, uh, yeah. you know, being able to focus on that. So the podcast took a little bit of a break for a little bit. Some other things took a little bit of a break, but when you're talking about a community service and, you know, bringing out some of those positive things and, and trying to be that example, I, I think that's a great thing. We're just not talking about it. That's what I loved about, you know, having you on the show too, is, you know, we're people that go out and do it. We don't just talk about it. So right. it's been really cool, real rewarding uh, with all that. Um, but yeah, man, we got yep. this great interview tonight, man. Um, that, you know, I probably don't want to get ahead of ourselves and all that, but yeah, I'm just glad that you're here to, to well, w- w- this is one thing, y'all, that one of the reasons I really want to do this show and I was kind of waiting for Chuck is like this, I think it's one of the most special interviews that I've had on this podcast, um, uh, specifically with this uh, specific hunter. And uh, I can't wait to, for, for Chuck and I to discuss it and all that. But um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm really glad that you're here to kind of share that with me, man. For sure, man. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah, appreciate you having me. What uh, as far as uh, your turkey season and stuff, or when are you kicking that in full gear, man? Well, I was actually I was supposed to go um, Saturday uh, and film a youth hunt for a father and son, right? But ended up that was hinging on my ability to go crappy fishing Friday. Well, the weather didn't play out Friday for me to go crappy fishing. So I went crappy fishing Saturday instead. Oh, okay. um, and I honestly, I honestly probably should have went turkey hunting because the fishing was terrible. But, uh, yeah, no Saturday, me and the wife will be, uh, in the woods waiting on the sun to come up. Right. And on. then it's pretty much, it's pretty much all downhill from there for the next like 30 days. Um, until the season goes out, changed a lot of plans. I uh, was originally supposed to hunt South Carolina this year. Tried to put together an Alabama trip, um, but just didn't shake out. Uh, for the amount of vacation that I had and everything that I was doing and had going on, it it just didn't make sense for me to drive to Alabama for just uh, a couple of days. So right. ended up nixing that, but got drew out for a permit hunt on DuPont State Forest. So I'll be hunting up there for three days. And after that, man, it's pretty much staying local, except on Fridays. I'm working four tens now. So on Fridays, I'm going to try to burn up some game land, some national forest, stuff like that. Yep. Save the turkeys around here for the for the wife and my dad and whoever else wants to come. Yeah, I have a permit hunt, I think, next week with my son and I um, on uh, Sand Hills Game Land. And then we're going to yep. go out Sunday. Uh, so Sunday morning, Saturday, I got an event out at Uwari. Uh There's a uh, an event that True Patriots putting on nonprofit that helps a lot of veteran organizations. They got a lot of different veteran nonprofits out there, and it's going to be really cool. We're going to have a great raffle booth and, and all that kind of stuff, raise some good money for some great uh, nonprofits and all. But uh, so Saturday's kind of it's out at Uwari. I thought about hey, if I get up early enough, I can go. It's just too many things logistics, especially if I do get one. You know, it's just. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to rush it is probably a good way to say it. And I want right. to feel yep. rushed when I'm in my hunt. So I was like, you know what? If I can't commit to it, then I probably shouldn't do it. Cause it, you know, you could short step yourself. You could try and rush. You, you make some poor decisions and you know, and if I, maybe I ruined something for me, but I could also ruin something for another hunter by just, you know, my own 
actions and, right. and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, Saturday's kind of off, but Sunday I'm looking at where we're going to get up early, get out. We'll go to the probably same property that we hunt uh, traditionally at. And I tell you what, man, that property is coming along, dude. Um, we did a lot of food plots. Uh, you know, I put in some deer tournaments, turnips, and uh, those things kind of came in, and you know, they're they're starting to come back in right now. Uh, I think we're gonna, you know, do some other areas. We're looking now. That we have that large field. We're looking at putting up some permanent stands, uh, elevate stands, and you know, we'll have like good good range to where we could potentially do like five hundred yard shots and stuff, man. So I'm real excited about that. And and I tell you what, I mean, uh, it's, again, it's just a lot of conversation that we had, things you've shared, uh, directions you have pointed me as someone that just got back in the hunt a couple years ago. I mean. Yeah, man, yeah. I really appreciate it, and I can say through your mentorship, I I have become a better hunter, and I'm able to share that with like my son. So I really appreciate that, man. And that's that's really what a lot of this is about, right? Oh yeah, man, it's getting out and about, enjoying the time, and and being smart when you go out. I my life still just it revolves around being outdoors. Yeah, it revolves around hunting and fishing, and. That's all about to change soon, but I'm going to enjoy it while I can. <laughs> you know what? Um, it gets better, man. It gets better. Yeah. It gets better, yeah. dude. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, you're, I can't wait to, to see that part of your journey with you and your wife. I'm excited about it, uh, for you guys. Um, so yeah, so you know what? We probably should go ahead and, and get this interview. Y'all, I, I'm telling you, um, definitely, this is one of those interviews you you kind of want to be someplace where you feel you can get the whole thing. I understand that, like I when I listen to podcasts, I'll sometimes listen to a little bit of it. I'll go to work, I'll come back, I'll play it, play what I'm picking up from or where where I'm picking up where it left off at, and then I'll play the rest. But this is one I think that you kind of have to commit to. Uh, you, you definitely want to hear kind of the whole thing. You don't want to miss something. You may want to go back. Uh, I think this is one of those special interviews, and uh, I really hope you enjoy it. And so I'm going to roll that and then, uh, you know, Chuck and I are going to go ahead and, and make some discussions over a cup of Joe. When you hear the calls, you know, we have a report from the field this week. We have a special guest. She is a hunter, or I should say huntress from North Carolina, who I've been hoping that would come on and share her hunting experience from this past deer season. She shared a little bit of her story on a North Carolina hunters Facebook page, and I was impressed to say the least. So I reached out to her, invited her on the show, and here she is, Marissa. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Route 16 Grind. It's Marissa Godfrey. Uh, I want to thank you for having me on here to share my experience with hunting. Yeah, you have a great story you, you shared on Facebook. And uh, I really think it's uh, something that, you know, other hunters and huntress can definitely listen to. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little about yourself? Um, I work full time. I'm a mom. I know it's, uh, it's a lot to be a mom and be a huntress at the same time. You know, we work all day and then we get off or we go hunt and then we come home and we cook. And it's a lot. It can be a lot sometimes. But, you know, it shows a lot when you put a lot of work in the field, um, especially when you finally reach in and get that moment that you've been grasping for. Yeah. So when you talk about handling all this, you know, you got the job, you got the mom responsibilities and then finding that time to hunt and it isn't simply just, all right, I'm going to go and sit in a field and, 
you know, shoot the first thing that comes out, there's a lot of preparation. So tell us about your preparation and balancing all that. Um, it, it's funny that you ask that because usually we usually get started about a couple months before deer season where we go out, we put out corn and we make sure all the stands are okay and everything's strapped in the way it needs to be. So everything is safe. We look at our safety harnesses, our gear, and then of course deer season comes in and when you're a mom and you're holding down a job and you, you love to hunt, it, it comes extremely hard. And I have an amazing boyfriend that stands behind me on all of that. He totally supports me. He hunts as well. He knows that bow season is my season. And usually at the beginning of bow season, I'll hunt through the whole bow season, usually before work and after work. I'm a very aggressive hunter at that. Um, I go in, I'll go sit in the stand and my stand is about six minutes away from my work. So I'll dress for work and put my hunting clothes over it. And then if I does, if I don't see anything, I'll go to work. And if I get something, then I'll call, usually call in and go into work later. Well, that's pretty nice right there. I like that. That's pretty good. Uh, a uh, place to work at supporting you to being a huntress as well. They do. They do support me a lot. All, all the people that I work for, they love hearing my hunting stories. And it's really amazing to have such a supportive group behind you with my boyfriend and my job. They know that it's something that I have a deep passion for. My family is not a hunting family. Um, my uncle going over there through the summers, he passed away from stage four cancer about three years ago. He was like a father to me, but he's who got me all into it. And though I never hunted with him, I got into it really deep and I got me a bow one day and I said, Hey, you know, I'm just going to shoot this bow in the yard, just target practice. And I was married at the time. And the gentleman I was married to, he didn't believe that women should hunt or fish and, we ended up getting a divorce and all that, and I ended up meeting my new boyfriend that I'm with now and I've been with for six years, and he's all about it. He's like, yes, women should hunt. It's great, and I'm completely happy that he's supportive of me. Um, I just want you know women to know out there that just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you can't hunt. That was my biggest compassion was that I've always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to hunt. I've always wanted to have that successful moment, and this year I was actually able to reach that moment, which was so grateful to me. So let me walk back a tiny bit here. You shared the influence of your uncle. You shared where, Hey, you know, you just like, ah, I want to get a bow. want to try that out. But what was that real trigger that you said, you know what? I, I want to get into, this is something I want to commit to because you, you, you know, this from just being a hunter yourself, you know, there are people out there that kind of, they hunt more for the gear and every now and then they get in a stand, but then there's the hunter where you're like spending weeks and all this time to do all your scouting, all your preparation. I mean, there, that, that hunting never, that, that what you do for hunting, I feel like anytime you go out into your area, you're always scouting there. It, it's an always, it's a continuous thing, but where was that moment where you're like, I'm going to make that commitment. Where was that? Um, the moment was about a, Two years after me and my boyfriend were together, um, we hunted together a couple times for the two years. And then I finally really got into it um, one year when I finally shot my first um, cow horn spike. 
it was with a 243 and it, it was just a spike but you know what it was my biggest spike it was my biggest deer i ever shot and i want people to know that just because it's not an eight pointer or ten pointer you know it's still that great moment that leads you to that point heck yeah and the day that that happened i i cried and i didn't cry like i was sad i cried in tears of joy because it was a very exciting moment for me it actually happened one morning i went hunting before work like I said, I hunt before I go to work and I hunt after work. And it was in that moment that I realized this is what I want to do. And I actually ended up giving that deer to a family that needed meat um, for their freezer. They just needed meat to live off of. And the moment that I saw the gentleman come to our house and he was in tears and he was so joyful to have it, it was very exciting. And I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to be able to get a couple deer for our freezer because we live off of the land and I want to be able to at least give a deer or two away to families in need. And that moment that I did that, that day, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And even if it's not for me, it's still helping me reach my goals into getting what I want to out in the field, whether it's my first bow kill or my first big buck. Right. And, and just, I don't think there's, a hunter out there that didn't have a tear shed on that first, you know, harvest, uh, especially with deer. Um, you know, hell, I remember when I took, I'll talk, I really like turkey season too, but I remember taking my son turkey hunting and he didn't get a turkey this last harvest and or this last season, but he was all the way at the point he just missed, but I was so impressed. I mean, I was kind of just like, man, all that discipline that it took for him to get to that moment and, you know, didn't close the deal, but it's not, it wasn't even that. It was that whole experience that got there. He'll get one this year, no doubt, but it's all those things coming together and it's that whole experience. And then when you do have that harvest, just all those things, that appreciation for the animal itself, for the, like what you're saying, you know, providing a substance to a family and that's just a wonderful story. And I, I mean, that's, that is great. And I think that's a big part of why a lot of hunters do get in. It's, it's, it's not, I think people wrap themselves around when they talk anti-hunting that wrap themselves so much around the kill and they don't understand the experience. I mean, you're creating independence is a big one. And I think that's one thing that is missed too. And for you to, to, and I'm not saying it like this, but for you to be a woman and to be able to, go out there and be confident that, Hey, I should be, I can go out there and do these things too. That's awesome. You, you are an example for other women, other, you know, young girls to, to go out and look at and say, you know, I can do that too. Nothing should limit you just because you're a woman. Exactly. And, you know, there's many times where me and my boyfriend, we're like, Hey, no, you go today and I go today. Or, you know, we take turns and that's a big, part of it it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman it matters that you get out there and you do it you show your compassion behind it and this year was a really big year for me i finally got my first bow kill i first bow harvest shall i say and i finally got my first big buck i'm not a antler or a trophy hunter i am a meat hunter so my boyfriend calls me a spike slayer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which most people don't, which most people do not approve of. But again, I'm a meat hunter. Um, I don't, I don't care for the trophies because ever since I had that experience about three years ago, where I was able to provide for the family that I was able to, and it made them super grateful. Um, 
I've just, I've lived like that. I, I hunt as I hunt and, you know, meat is meat. And if I can provide a family like that, I can. But this year I've, I've literally put in so many hours in the stand and, you know, it is exhausting and it, it breaks your heart when you go out there every day. Um, my boyfriend was so excited for me and he's, he's always shares a compassion for what I do and he does it as well. But the point behind it is, is no matter how many times you go and sit in the sand, like me, for instance, in the morning, whether it's that hour before work or that hour after work, the moment that it finally happens and you realize, you know, for me, it took me five years to finally get my big buck that I got this year. It took me five years to get my first bow harvest. And I would go out on my lunch breaks and put out corn. I'd walk 400 yards with a 60-pound bag of corn on my back just to put out corn, just to make sure that my buck scrape was active and it was being used because that's something that I tried different this year to help me. And and it, I believe firmly that it did help me. That was one of the things I think that did help me. But after all that time that you put into it and then it finally all comes together, you're you're just so blessed. I spent so many hours praying in the stand. Lord, please just let this moment happen. I pray every time I get to the stand, I just pray for my family and our country and everything I'm just so grateful for. And that is my time in the stand. As a mom, that is my getaway time. It's not shopping. It's not grocery shopping. It's in the stand. I love that. I love that. And you do, I think for me, I mean, I find such a peace out there too. Um, and it's good. Like I go, I love going hunting with my son, but there's also those times where you're just going out solo. Uh, there's a, a different level of peace and just that connection with nature that you're able to achieve. And again, what I, what I think I love about it is every time you go out there, it's different and there's a challenge and regardless if you harvest or not, you learn something from that experience. It, and it is different. This year I've learned, you know, there's there's certain things you learn from different stories that people tell you. Like if you hear squirrels barking in the tree, usually something's coming. Well, the past five years, I've never paid attention to that, but I've listened to an older gentleman. And some people, you know, they say, oh, it's Bulkstale. But I, I've listened. And every year when I go out in the stand, I sit there and that's all I do is listen. Complete quietness. And as soon as the birds start going, more than likely at my stand, this is how it works. Not at every stand, because every scenario is different depending on where your land is and how it is. But at my stand, usually, you know, when the birds start going and the creek gets louder, usually that's when I see something. And if I see that it is a takeable harvest and that, that I will take the harvest. Um, but it does take a lot of experience. And over the past five years, I can say I have gained a lot of experience um, through grunt calls, through active scrape, through what I wear, the type of equipment that I use. Um, most of all, that's really guided me through this. Like I said, what's my uncle? He's the one that inspired me. Though I never hunted with him, we walked in the woods and he showed me his stands. And I was like, I really want to do this one day. But then when I started hunting with my current boyfriend that we've been together for six years, he was very supportive of me and was like, you know what, you you do you. I'm glad that you're doing this. There's not a lot of women that do this, and I want you to do it. And I'm so blessed and thankful for that because there's not a lot of people that actually get that. 
and being able to go out and do that, it, it's, it's really amazing. I'm so blessed. So Marissa, I'm going to kind of put you on a spot here. So if you're that new huntress that's going out there, what is the top five things that you would want to tell her and say, Hey, if you're going to get in this, these are the top five things I want to share with you. What are those things that you've learned from, from all these years of hunting? What are those that you wish you could have told yourself the first time you hit, weren't in the stand? That That's a tough one. Um, through the past five years, I've, I've heard a lot, but you know, you, you want to be always have a strong head of going out there. Like we said earlier, it doesn't matter if you do not get a harvest. It, it will happen eventually. Like I said, it took me five years to get exactly how I wanted it, and it was such a great blessing. Don't ever doubt yourself. You can never doubt yourself. Go out there with a strong head. Put the time into the stand. Um, you know, if you think something's going to work, whether it's a buck scrape or a doe urine, try it. I've tried many. I've had many people tell me, that it's not going to work or, you know, if you believe in it, then you believe in it. Um, I sit in a poplar tree, which, you know, by the end of both season, it has no leaves. So you want to actually have a good camo that you use. I use um, Habit, which is a uh, real tree edge. But again, I usually get my stuff on sale. I'm a, I'm a cheap hunter. I don't wear Sitka. I don't do the expensive hunting. I can't afford it. I'm a mom of a, two kids and I have a full-time job and, you know, I live based off that. I don't live above my means. And when it comes to hunting, I wear, I wear cheap camo. I don't want, you know, a new hunter to think, oh, you got to have all this expensive camo because most people think that you have to have that, but you don't, No, you don't have to have that. I have a gun that was given to me from generations ago and it's a 243 and it's got a, shotgun scope on it and i'm the only one that can shoot it just perfectly at 300 yards with a shotgun scope and i will never change the scope on that gun because i believe that is what makes my hunt successful is that i'm the only one that can shoot it great so go out there and believe in yourself don't ever doubt yourself if you think something works use it your camo don't ever doubt your camo it may not match it may not be great it may not be top of the line but if that's what you can afford and, and you can do it, use it. Um, I've been out there many types of stuff. And as long as you sit still and you believe, and like I said, I'm a big prayer and I believe in the Lord and I believe he blesses us when we're ready for it. Um, so just go out there and believe in yourself. You can do it. Don't ever let anyone bring you down about what you're wearing or what you're using or what type of gun you're shooting or if even if it's a bow and you're bow hunting you know if you believe in it then you can achieve it i love it i love it i think that's some fantastic advice for all hunters uh i i think you know you uh, you have to get out there if you want to get better you got to get out there and everything you're saying I, I just love what you're sharing with us here now far as you know other game other than deer do you hunt any other game um, we do coyote hunt and hog hunt. Okay. Um, uh, we do do that. About two years ago, I killed about a 350-pound sow. It was my first one, which they said, wow, you went out with a bang. I ended up shooting it with my 243, which is what I call my old reliable. <laughs> so, um, 
it's funny because the morning, the uh, big buck I shot this year, the morning I used my 30 all six, which was new, and I had already sighted it in. But I had missed a doe that morning, and not a lot of people talk about missing deer. That's the biggest thing that really brought me down in hunting was a lot of people talk not talking about, oh, I missed this deer, oh, I missed it. And I'm like, okay, so you have to shoot it or you don't. And so it was the day before Christmas Eve. Um, I shot my 30 out six. I missed a doe. It was about 10 till, uh, it was about 10 after seven, actually, about 50 minutes before I had to be into the office. So I knew I'd have time to go home and clean it right quick before I went in. Like I said, I'm a Chris hunter. I hunt before I go to work and I hunt after work. <laughs> right. That's good. That- <laughs> so I try to do what I can, especially when it's cold. You know, you can you can at least get the dressings out of it and leave it hanging while it's cold. So I missed that morning and my boyfriend laughs at me till this day, but I told him, I was like, look, you do realize the night before Christmas Eve, I saw a shooting star on my way to the stand that morning. It scared the crap out of me. I was scared to death, but I wished <laughs> on it. I said, Lord, you know what? I'm just going to do something crazy because people don't wish on shooting stars. I said, just give me a big buck this year. That's all I wish for. I've already got my first buck kill in, which is everything I've prayed for for the past five years. I said, so I'm just going to wish for a big buck. Well, that morning it didn't happen. That evening it didn't happen. Well, then the next day was the morning before Christmas Eve. And it... And I missed a doe, and I was like, okay, we're getting ready to have Christmas Eve off and Christmas Day off for work. And I already know what I'm doing. I'm hunting. Right. So, and I, I take my kids with me, so they're going. That's that's their Christmas, too. So, there you go. Um, no, it's good for them, too. And I was like, I was like you know, I mean, who wouldn't love a big buck for Christmas? So, and I was like, okay, so th- this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to work, and I, I miss, and... This is another thing that I know it, it may be religious or people don't believe in it. But, you know, that day at work, I was standing outside for a minute because I load 53-foot trailers at work. I'm, I load them by hand and that kind of sorts, and I'm customer service. But, you know, no matter how hard you work at work, if you still put time in is the thing that I'm getting at, no matter how long it takes, when that moment finally comes together like it did the night before Christmas Eve for me, that was all that it took to finally, like, hook me and sink me in as a hunter. Like, yes, this is your success. You finally did it. Right on. So that The day that I walked out there, I, I, I just walked outside on my lunch break, you know, just walking outside, and I saw a white feather floating, and they say, you know, a feather that is white is from the Lord. And I said, I walked in and I always tell people, I always preach at work. I'm, I'm crazy like that. I'm your Southern girl. I said, <laughs> hey, you see this white feather? I might have missed this morning, but the Lord just sent me a white feather. So tonight it might happen. Well, that night it actually happened. And I finally got my nine pointer. I'm no longer a spike player. There you go. <laughs> and so, I, I, so everybody at work got a text message and a picker picture that said yes i finally did it awesome that's great and it and it was it was great i had a woman at work she was like i knew that feather was going to be good luck when i saw it (laughs) (laughs) like i said i'm sorry i'm not trying to keep you or anything no no like i said you know 
No matter how much time you put in, I cannot, t- I've actually cried in the stand because I didn't see anything. And, you know, as a young hunter, even if you're a child, I could imagine as a child, as it being like a feeling of unsuccess. Right. Because you're trying to, you're trying to impress your parents or you're trying to, my parents, my parents, on the other hand, they don't even really care for deer hunting. They're more of the fishing, which I do both, but. They don't really care for the deer hunting. And so, but my uncle, who partly raised me, he does. And I knew that he would be super proud of me. No doubt. The moment that I finally shot that nine-pointer, which I didn't know at the time was a buck, because I didn't see the antlers. I just saw the big body. And then it happened as we walked up through the woods. And my boyfriend was like, yeah, you got it. He actually had pneumonia for four weeks. And I called him out of bed, and he came up on the floor and said, hey, babe, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That... It's, it's, it's very hard to do, and it's different, you know, and it's just great. It was a really great year for me this year. I like the fact that you weren't, you're not so wrapped around the fact that, hey, because you're, you're trying to put, you know, meat in the freezer. You're, you're looking to support families who you know, need that protein, uh, for their family and stuff. And, you know, my son, he picked up a, a button, uh, button buck this year. It was his first one. Um, it was the only, we went to a, a place off on the coast and it was the only deer we saw the entire weekend, the only deer. And it was like literally right before sunset. It, it couldn't, I was like, man, Hey, let, I thought it was a doe initially. So, Hey, go ahead. Let, let's go ahead and take the shot. And he, uh, used his rifle and he has a, uh, six and a half creed more savage and he took about a 150 yard shot and, and knocked this thing down and the the guy came out there and checked on it and was out yeah, the button buck and i was like man hey you, you provided you know you know meat in the freezer there and that's a great thing and i'm not for me i'm not much of a trophy hunter as well it's not really uh my my focus but i used to have a host on here chuck and i think i tell this story every podcast nearly but chuck really kind of threw some uh um, insight for me uh, about the whole trophy thing. And, and with some people, just when you get that mount and you put it on the wall, you're experiencing all those things as a memory, kind of like when you look on a picture and whatever. Not, and so I never really looked at it like that until he shared it with me. Um, I don't see me having a garage full of mounts, to be honest with you. It's just not my thing, you know, <laughs> me <either>. but, uh, <laughs> I don't see me having that either, but it made me appreciate those things a little bit different when he shared that with me, because, you know, I think we all capture memories different in our own little way. Um, I will tell you this, my very first Turkey dang, right. I got the fan fans mounted in my garage, man. That that's a crazy story, <laughs> but yeah, I was so proud of that thing. Um, but, uh, I, I love the fact you're focused on that and just the respect for the animal and, and just the amount of dedication commitment. I mean, I think that's one of the, uh, the special things with moms too. You guys know how to multitask like nobody's business and you can run that schedule and do, do, do like, I, I try and do my wife's job. Can't do it. Can't do it. Nope. Hardest job ever. Can't do it. And you know, she does it. It, it just, it just comes together, man. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it is great. And like I said, it doesn't matter if it's a buck or a doe or a button buck. My first year was a spike and it was the greatest thing ever. Right. I actually went hunting with my uncle Bill from the beach and 
it, it was great. Um, I actually had a rifle, a shotgun, and my bow because I was shooting my bow. And I said, hey, I really want you to have a bow. He said, girl, you ain't going to have time to shoot your bow. We're running dogs. And some people run dogs for, depending on where you live, you know, you can run dogs for a deer and all that. Right. And I was like, well, I really want to shoot my bow. I've been shooting my bow for like three years in the yard. I know I'm good at it. He said, no, you're not going to have time for that. And I said, okay. And so we actually pulled to a spot around one of the blocks. And he said, look, a deer's going to come out here if they're going to come out. And so a deer actually came out. It couldn't have been more perfect timing. And even though it was a spike, it was my first deer. And so that's what I want to encourage people on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a huge deer or a doe or a spike because if it's your first deer, it's great. Right. And, you know, in the many years that I've hunted with my boyfriend, we, we've had some great experiences together where he's walked up on my cowhorn spike. That was my biggest spike ever. It was a spike, but it was still a spike, but it was so great. And he knew that it would make me happy. So he actually pulled me and he said, I don't know. I don't know where it is. You might need to keep walking forward. So I kept walking. And then by that time I turned around, he was looking at me and he had already saw it. And he knew that I was going to start crying over it, which I did because it was a great achievement for me. And just like this year with the nine pointer, he walked up and he was like, I can't believe it. You don't kill a big one. And I was like, dude, what? I didn't even know what it was. (laughs) <laughs> and when I walk, when I walked up on it, of course, I, I started immediately bawling like a baby I, because this is all, I mean, I've tried so hard for five years. This is what I've worked hard right. for. It just all like, comes I together. Yeah. Like I literally, people don't realize how hard you work for it. My boyfriend does because he knows, he, he knows how hard I work for it. Like I literally will hunt, even if it's just for 30 minutes, if I'm running late for work or I'm getting the kids on the bus. That's what I'm trying to explain to people. Like, you know, you are a mom or you are a dad. You might be a single father and you might put your butt, your child on the bus at six thirty in the morning. You still got that 20 minutes to go before, you know, that's how I am. I still got that 20 minutes to get to the deer land with, thankfully my deer land's only about 15 minutes from the house, but so if I put my kid on the bus and I go to the hunting land, I wait for a certain amount of period. And if I don't see one before a certain period, then I just don't shoot. I'll sit there and I'll watch because it gives me guidance on to when they're coming out, what time they're coming out. Okay, this is what time they might come out on a Saturday when I'm not working. And it just gives you so much guidance as you learn over the years because over the years, you just learn more and more and more, whether it's a call it's a doe or a buck urine that you use or it might be you know if it's a bow or a rifle or the camo all the time that you put in when it finally locks in together on that moment like i've had this year 2020 has been a rough year for everybody but as far as hunting season go i have sincerely been blessed by the lord to get my first bow harvest and my first big buck. I'd and love I'm so it. So grateful for it. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, you know, Marissa, I mean, where can people, if they want to follow your experience, they want to reach out to you, if they want some, you know, maybe they want a little bit of mentorship, may, uh, where can they reach out and where can they find you? 
Um, my name is Marissa Godfrey. That's M-A-R-I-S-S-A-G-O-D-F-R-A-Y. Currently, I have a picture on Facebook of me and my big nine-pointer. I'm wearing a hot pink toboggan. <laughs> Preferably because men don't believe that you should wear hot pink while you're hunting. I killed that buck with my hot pink toboggan. Dude, you um, hunt in blaze orange. I think you can wear anything. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I still wear my orange vest. Yep. But I wear a hot pink toboggan. Right. And I do not wear a hat over it because double hats are bad luck, I believe. That's what I've experienced. <laughs> if you want to follow me, um, Marissa Godfrey is my Facebook. I will send you some more information on my Instagram. Um, I do currently have a TikTok, but I'm not big on it currently. But I hope to be as far as hunting and fishing. Um, I am a commercial fisherman. That is what I do in my spare time. I pick oysters. I commercial fish. I'm a slender giggerman. Um, I go to the coast a lot. That's where my parents live, and I'm thankful for that. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Let's talk about this commercial. You can't end like that. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, a commercial. F- no, no, no. Let's talk about We mean commercial fishing. I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? Tell us more. <laughs> um, so, actually, me and my boyfriend are commercial fishermen together. Um, he has a license, so I technically fish under him. But we are, we commercial fish for flounder and trout, and we also pick oysters. Um, it's just something we do as a hobby and as a side gig that we do. We enjoy it. We we mainly do it because we enjoy time together on the water. Um, there's actually some people out there that do it as a lifestyle. Right. Um, for living. That is how they live is they are commercial fishermen. Um, so I hope to be able to share more stories of that with you. Currently, I have not been able to go this year, but in a few weeks, Hopefully, we'll be able to go. I've been really slim-packed with work, and finally, hunting season's kind of calmed down. Right. Turkey season's coming in, which I've told my boyfriend we have 58 turkeys in my field on both sides. So, I would like to get my first tom since I have about 30 in the field. Oh, I love turkey hunting. Um, love it. <laughs> love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. We've been together about six years. I told him, I said, look, if I can sit on my bottom on the ground and I can shoot 60 yards dead bullseye, I will be gladly to wrap the pink stripes on my bowstring in black electrical tape and take one. Bye-bye. Yeah, they see 50 times better. better than us. They see very yeah, well. They, they, no, yeah, they do. They do. Um, I've been in the stand and I've had them come up on me, even in a full-fledged camo leaf suit. And, you know, any anything they see, I think it was my earrings that day that gave them away. Um, so anything slight, I will say, if you are turkey hunting, I've never been, but they are very cautious and they see everything. I love the approach. So when you get them calling in and that Tom, you got your, your you know, decoys out, maybe you got a hen out there and you got maybe a Jake out there and that Tom's all like, what? And he's walking up on this lady and he's bringing his harem and he's putting on his strut and his dance and fan out. I mean, that right there, it's just, it is nature in action. It's like watching that show. And it is just amazing to watch that whole approach and then just keep, it's just like, you know, deer hunt. Now you got to, okay, got to take my breath, got to take that, you know, pause and just kind of, you know, get that right ethical shot in and, and take that time. But I will say my first Turkey, it was literally, I was driving my Jeep going to a new position 
and this gobbler ran in front of my Jeep and I got out and I was actually going to go into uh, the woods to go find it. And as soon as I got out, I was putting my hood back on, you know, cause I just, and I, I learned from deer season um, when I was actually uh, hunting the same property, I, I took a rifle or just with a shotgun, obviously, but Hey, keep it available because an opportunity might pop up when you're moving. Like I'm re- moving position in my vehicle. And this thing ran in. It's like, oh, so I was right putting it on. And as soon as I was leveling to move into the woods, it ran back in front of me. It was about 20 yards. I took the shot right there. And I was like, yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's man. awesome. Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, you never know. Um, but uh, but you're going to, I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's a different experience than sitting in a stand. It's a, a lot more back and forth. And sometimes you're just, they're, you know. They, they'll gobble back at you. They just ain't going to come in and you got to learn. Uh, it might be a different flop. Yeah. And there's so many things involved with it. But I want to go back to the commercial fishermen. Anytime you talk about turkey, I'm going to jump right into it. it. Just It is what it is. I think I talk about turkey every show. <laughs> but but, but <laughs> on the commercial fishing thing, hey, what if somebody was interested in hiring y'all? How would they do that? Um, again, Facebook, Marissa Godfrey or Bradley Steele. Um, we do do some guides where we take people out, and a lot of times we'll take people for free or we'll just take people out right. for a very low amount of cost. It's not anything at all. Um, we're fairly new to it a couple years, but we have taken a couple people out, and they've definitely enjoyed it. Um, again, you know, as far as this year goes, we've only had – They've changed commercial fishing as far as slander goes yep. the last one month. Mm-hmm. And so that's different than it was last year. And the size limit has went down. And so when you're being particular, it can get very particular. But we do do a lot of that. And it's great. I hope to eventually get more videos and footage out of us doing commercial fishing because I think it would be great. Um, my boyfriend has this captain's license, so he can do guys and uh, he's he's a great guy. We also do bow fishing, where we bow fish. We were North Carolina state champions for three years in a row for bow fishing. And Marissa, uh, like, why why are we just now covering this? This is some good stuff. You're like, oh yeah, I was a state I, I champion know, bow I fishing. Keep you, I keep giving you to a different. I keep adding you to a different thing every time. Oh um, my goodness. We, we really do a lot together, which is really great. You know, a lot of relationships don't have that. Yeah. Because a lot of men are like, oh, no, I'm going out to do my thing. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that I'm really blessed for is that he's like, no, we are best friends. This is what we do together. And there's some people out there that actually want that and don't have it. And, you know, you you can have that. And we have that. And I'm so thankful for it. We we both fish a lot of tournaments, like I said, um, not this past year or the current one, but three years prior to that, we were North Carolina State Champions for three years. And it's something I'm grateful for. We we worked really hard for it. We both fished every other weekend. This was before we got into the commercial fishermen. So we're kind of less on the boat fishermen now, but we still do it and we love it. I've never um, been. I might have to take you up on it. Never been bow fishing. Yes, I mean, I was like, definitely. I, I was like, that'd be something cool to do. But you're, you know, you. I think there are certain things you're like. I need some. I'm one of those people. I like to have some instruction, some guidance. Uh, I, I don't mind figuring things out, but I know the experience will be much better if you're actually doing the right thing instead of doing the wrong things off the bat. Yeah, definitely. And you know, we 
we've taken kids and their parents, both fishing. And, you know, a lot of people are like, Marissa, you, you do so great with kids. But <laughs> honestly, as terrible as it sounds, when I first started, my boyfriend kind of treated me like a kid at both fishing. He was like, hey, look, if you're going to do it, you need to do it this way. But I'm thankful for that because I wouldn't have been the aggressive boat fisherman that I was when we started it. Right. Um, it, it made me more successful because he is 12 years older than me. And, you know, that is a big difference. But as we go out through our hunting and our fishing adventures that we do, it gives me guidance. And then when I do it and it's successful, it's like, oh, yeah. Right. Yes, that's good. Right on. Oh, I I know exactly you're going at. Yeah, heck yeah. And and, and that feels good. And again, it just goes back to all that work. It takes that work to make that success. It just doesn't happen. On top of it does, you're just not going to appreciate it as much. And and it really does. And like, not trying to get off the hunting, but back to the hunting, you know, as we were talking about women or even young hunters or new hunters going out to the stands. Um, it's very important that no matter what they're wearing or what they're using, they should not be discouraged because I've heard that a lot. Oh, well, you got to wear this or you have to use this. And no, that's not the fact. Or, Hey, yeah. you know, if deer can smell your makeup and I'm like, no, they can't. Absolutely not. Like, like, no, I don't, I don't believe that. You know, I, I get ready for work and yes, I put on my makeup before I go to work. So when I get ready to go to the stand, if I'm hunting before I go to work, I have my makeup on, whether yeah. I'm 20 yards away with a bow or 300 yards away with a rifle. And the night that I had my first bow kill, I had on makeup and, right on. you know, Women, women wear makeup. It's not a big deal. It's not something that's going to throw the deer off. Either they're going to come in or they're not. I could swear I've seen it's, some people put some camouflage on their is. face when they go hunting. Right. <laughs> so, you it's, know, it's, to it's me, I'm here nor there on it. I'm, I'm really not. And, and if you're wearing blaze orange and gets like that, all that goes. I mean, when I was a kid and I was initially like hunting out in uh, West Texas and stuff, we wore blue jeans and whatever shirt we we're wearing. There was no text a little different. I mean, I had to adjust at a deer stand because I got back in hunting about three years ago, a long, long period of not. And the deer stand, I just, I'm still, I'll be honest with you, I'm still adjusting to it. Like, but it's different in that aspect. Well, but you I, know, and some people say, oh, well, you can't go in blue jeans or you can't. You absolutely can. You, you know, some yeah. people live by that. And, yeah. and that's not that's not the truth. You know, mm-hmm. say if you did not have hunting gear, you did not have the proper camo. I don't believe in that, which I've never tried to hunt in blue jeans. But my boyfriend has told me stories where, hey, I've hunted in blue jeans in a camo shirt. I've killed deer. Yeah, And I mean, you, you can, so it, it really, that was one thing that discouraged me a lot as a hunter is I have to have this, I have to have this, I have to have top of the line. And then I realized, you know, no, you don't. If you say you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're a full-time mom or you're a full-time dad or you're a single mom or a single dad and you love the outdoors and you go hunt. And so this is the money that you have to use on hunting and this is the cost that you can spend on your gear. It, I mean, it's, I've spent not, I've spent maybe $30, maybe up to 80 on my full hunting gear, harness and all. Right. Uh, 
by going it by sales and all this stuff. Like it's not inexpensive. You don't have to have the most expensive gear to get what you're going for because this year was the greatest year for me. And uh, my gear is mixed matched. It's not, I hunt with a, this year, what I've hunted in was, you know, um, like I said, the habit real tree edge pants that I got, I think I got them from Walmart or I got them off Amazon for like 20 or 30 bucks on sale. Then I got my hunting gear, my hoodie. That's a very lightweight hoodie from Sierra trading post, which is a good post. If anybody wants to go find some good deals, just throwing that out there for hunting gear, um, for duck hunting or deer hunting, they have some awesome deals there. And it's, it's really great because, you know, I think that's what expresses you when you finally get to that moment is, you know what, it's not all that expensive stuff. It's not all that when you finally hit that moment, it's the time you put into it. And you know what, your gear wasn't that expensive. It was cheap. And you put, because you put the time in the sand and you waited for that moment, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Yes, it should match. Not saying you should go out there wearing white and black or, you know, it does matter. Or, right. But, you know, going out there, it does matter what you wear. But as long as the similarity is to the tree that you're sitting on, which, like I said, I hunt on a poplar tree, which has no leaves by the end of both seasons or the mid of both season, which I still sit through anyway. As long as you're you're there and you put the time in, when you finally get that moment is what matters. It doesn't matter what anybody else says, oh you gotta have this expensive right. stuff. You gotta try this, you gotta try that. You know, my boyfriend doesn't even believe in oh, you know, you should he always told me, Don't use don't use dough urine, don't use buck scrape, don't use no no no. Well, this year I decided to use buck scrape. I decided to use the actor scrape, the scent reflect um, from wildlife research <clears throat> center. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'm going to try a 72 hour buck strip and we're just going to try it. So I started that Thursday. Well, that Saturday came and he said, Hey babe, you know what? I want to put my daughter in your stand. I said, that's okay. I said, put her there because I know she's going to kill one. I've got faith in it. She actually shot her first eight-pointer this year. Oh, that's awesome. Her her, her first buck was an eight-pointer. She shot the one that I wanted called Elliot. We actually named him. <laughs> I've never named a deer. I've never named a deer on camera, and she shot him, Elliot. Oh, and that said, is awesome. Oh. And that morning, we actually walked We walked out because usually if you don't see our deer by 830, then you're done. You're not going to see one. So I walked in at 8.30, I walked and got her, and at like 8.49, we walked walked back up, and we looked back, and there was a deer at the camera. I said, okay, it's okay, I'm sorry, I ruined your hunt. We'll (laughs) we'll try again this evening, obviously, there's a bus right there, and this was through, um, this was through muzzleloader. Right, oh, wow. Later, so later that night, I said, okay, you know what, you've done work so hard on your stand, but. You're going to let your, your stepdaughter sit in your stand and she's going to get her first buck and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And so that night I heard a shot down the hill and I'm sitting on top of the hill and I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, I heard a shoot. I heard a shot. And I'm pretty sure that was her shot. Well, then I heard another shot. 
down the left side of the hill, which was where my boyfriend was sitting. And I was like, okay, I've done heard both of them shoot. Surely to goodness, I'm going to shoot. Well, just like you see on TV, like you said, here came a spike, here come a four-pointer, here come this big eight-pointer. I couldn't get a good shot. And so I just sat there and I waited all night till it got to dark. And they already made their shots. They already went and found their deer, except for her, because he knew that she hit her. He knew that she hit hers really good, so he waited till I got there so we could share that moment together. That is awesome. <laughs> so, they, so they came up the hill. They got me. We went back down. We got his deer. Um, again, it wasn't a big buck. We're, we're meat hunters, and I think that is what makes you successful. Like we said, a lot of people are a trophy hunter. Well, we live off the meat. We love it. We love deer meat. It, it, it's attention to us, and we love it. And so we went down and we hunted and we we tracked the blood trail and she saw it. And she was like, it was big. Whatever it was I shot, I know it was big. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, let's just, I said, well, let's just keep going. And so we kept going and we finally got there and she started crying, bawling. I'm talking about straight up crying, tears dropping off your chin. Great moment for a child. And, you know, she's hunted with us for about four years now. And we hunted together as a family. So we got there and she got, I said, Bailey, you don't understand. She said, no, I know it's big. I said, no, that is Elliot. She said, oh, no, I shot your deer. I said, no, it's okay. I said, it's okay. I said, I said, what I'm excited for, what I'm excited for is that the deer scrape worked. Because this is a deer that I had only nine pictures of. So I do recommend using an active scrape, making your own mock scrapes, which is the first time I've used it this year. Um, It was a nice eight-pointer. I'll be happy to share pictures with them. Um, But it was a nice eight-pointer in her first buck for her. But I'm a firm believer that it was the active scrape because I have only night pictures of this year. Right before morning and right, right after dark. I yeah. did not have a single picture of the daytime. And when she finally got him, I said, yes, I knew it was it. That is and awesome. Then, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It, no, it, it was great. It was absolutely great because I'm so happy that she finally got it this year. And, you know, my son, my son hunts with us and he hasn't got one yet, but he knows the excitement in it. And, you know, it, it it discouraged him a little bit that he hasn't got one yet, but I keep telling him, just wait for that moment. I've waited five years for my moment. Right. It will happen. That, you just have to put the time in. And and for you to be that example and uh, to be a mom, and it's it's just a great story, Marissa. And I, I'm so appreciative that you're, you're able to share this with us. And the other things knew nothing about. Uh, so just background for y'all. I mean, I literally hit Marissa up after I read her story and that North Carolina hunters group. And then we had a little bit of a pause when we talked a, a couple times, like through email or, or Facebook. And so I, I really didn't know her full background. So as you're hearing this, I'm hearing some of this too, but there's so much more. You're so humble and you know, just things that you kind of do it, but you, you are someone that definitely, I, I think many, uh, can look to and, and resource and can look as an example to get out there, get outside and, and, and know they can find the time to do these things. And there's such enjoyment in it and you can balance the job and the family. I mean, just a great story, Marissa. Thank you so much for coming on. And I, I 
Greatly appreciate for having me. I, I hope that my story, you know, it, it shares and that there's other women or men, like I said, whether you're a single mom, a single father, or you hunt together and, you know, like I said, my boyfriend who I've been with for six years, he's pretty much my spouse, but he had pneumonia the last four weeks of deer season. And I said, hey, you know what, babe, I got this. If you just can bear with the kids while before and after work, we got this. There and, you, you know, go. I believe you hunt together as a family, you know, and, and he believes in that. And you got to have that. You have to have someone to back you behind the hallway. And I'm I'm a very aggressive hunter, and he knows that. And you know, rifle season is his season, but, you know, this year he was sick with COVID and pneumonia, and it's been a really hard year for everybody. But, you know, no matter what you're going through and the time you put in, it really can make a great successful moment for anyone. And I just want people to know that and to share my story. Um, I hope that it, it guides people because, like I said, you don't have to have the expensive gear. You don't. My gear's not expensive. I think boots, coveralls, and everything, I might have $230 in it. And that's over the past four years. It's not expensive. It may not match correctly, but you know what? It got the job done this year. I put the time in in the past five years. And being able to watch the deer when they come in, how they move, um, my first bow kill, they didn't even come in the direction that I thought they were going to come in. So it was, uh, it threw me off guard, but I got it done. My boyfriend was out of town. I ended up cleaning the deer by myself, which I do usually when I take a harvest. Um, but I, I want everyone to know out there, no matter what you're doing, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because you, you don't have the, $600 gear that you're supposed to have where, you know, you hear stories of this and that. Try your own thing. Um, the guy that does my beef jerky is called Joe's Jerky, and he, he does an amazing job on deer jerky, but he always told me, you know what, Marissa, if you believe in it, then you do it. And if it happens, it'll happen. And that's what I've carried with me for the past four years after my first year of hunting. And I've just tried so many dough urines or, or buck. And this year I tried the buck scrape, which was, I thought for sure was amazing for me and it worked. So I'm going to continue to do it next year, but don't be discouraged because you feel like I make this amount of money, but I can't put this much into hunting. I love it. I love it. It doesn't, it doesn't take that much. As long as you put the time into it, I promise you, you can succeed with it. So one last time, Marissa, if people want to find you, like all your plugs, like all the different things you do, the commercial fishing, the Instagram, wherever it is where people can reach out and connect with you, where are those places again? Um, Marissa Godfrey on Facebook. I will update you in a bio on my Instagram so you can add it to this link. Heck yeah. Um, I also so do TikTok, which I'm not big on right now. I'm just not learning it, but I know it's a big thing. So hopefully it'll be a blast for some videos and stuff. Um, but I just, I greatly appreciate you having me today and being able to share my experience because I feel like it can help a lot of individuals, especially out there, you know, okay, I don't have this much money to spend on this, but I have it on this and you, you can do it with that. And I just thank you so much for having me. Um, 
I really do because I feel like a lot of hunters need that. It's not all that in the bag of chips like everybody says it is. It's a lot of hard work and it doesn't matter what you wear. As long as it works for you and you can get it done at the end of the day, no matter how hard you work, whether you're hunting before work or after work or, you know, you're cleaning a deer before supper, whether you're a man or a woman, um, it's the success in that hunt that counts after all that time is put into it. And that's really what matters. Marissa, the, the, the honor's all mine to have you on. I, I truly appreciate you making the time uh, with your busy schedule. And uh, I definitely wouldn't have caught you in tear season, but I'm glad I caught you now. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by Seasteak Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to Seasteak Coffee. Seasteak Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. Man, so Chuck, what did you think of that interview, man? It was a good one. It's super interesting, and uh, it's kind of you. You don't get to hear the the female perspective very often. You know, Marissa. I, I, what I loved about her, and to me, I'll, I'll even say at this perspective, this point of it, take the the uh, you know male female out of it, and just look at this as purely as a hunter. The preparation, the commitment, the support, right. all the things it took, and just the passion and. I think really when you look at anything you want to be successful at, it really comes down to what level of commitment are you going to have with it? And then what level of discipline are you going to apply going for it? And I mean, right. it was just amazing the things that she shared with us, man. Right. Well, and then and and that's one thing with, with being involved in a lot of R3 stuff and a lot of hunter mentorship things. But the biggest hurdle as an adult hunter to get into it is having someone to mentor you. Right. And so for her to have that consistent person there in her boyfriend to mentor her and to get her into it and to keep her focused, I think that's a big driver in people sticking with it. Now, unfortunately, not everybody can can track down that mentor. There, there's there's a couple new organizations in North Carolina that are offering that, which I think are, are super great resources. And we can kind of talk about those a little bit later. But, but you've also on the other side of the coin that new hunter needs to come to it with the the motivation and the ambition to to be a self-starter because i can tell you not necessarily from like my experience because i'm not taking people under my wing for like a whole season i'm doing like one-off teachings and things like that but like from my experience and talking to people that do take folks under their wing it it their job is more difficult when they're the one that's having to force that new hunter to get out and about, it's like, would you, I'm taking time out of what I want to do more than anything to help you. So you need to put forth just as much effort trying to learn as I am trying to teach you. And I think she does. She did a great job of explaining that that's what she does and how committed she is to it and everything. And I think that's one thing a lot of new hunters can take away from that. It's to, to be committed. You, you don't need to be, you, you don't need to be going hunting every morning before work and hunting every 30 or hour minute hour that you can. Uh, if you want to, that's fantastic. But on the other side of it, like don't say I want to hunt, but then expect people to be 
calling you to get you up off the couch. Like when right. you do want to go to the hunt, say you want to hunt every other weekend or something, like, and you have a mentor, let them know. Call them up. Say, hey, I want to go this weekend. I'd like to go. I'd like to go scouting. When you got something coming up, let me go with you. Da, 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 and, re- and reach out and make those connections. I think that goes a long way. Yeah. And, you know, as far as being able to find those mentors. Yeah. And, and the fact that, like, her family, uh, you know, was so supportive. Uh, you know, she talked about the close family member that she had had a huge impact on her. Uh, she's, you know, she spoke about, you know, getting her boyfriend, Hey, can you put some corn out? And then also just the things that she was willing to try things. That's also what I loved about this too. She's like, Hey, I know, you know, I go out and I was going to use this stuff and, you know, people said, don't use it. She would just try it. Hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And she now has kind of the things that she feels comfortable with that she applies and, and has some good success with that. And I, I, I love that she's open to new ideas and she's willing to share the information too with others. Like she just gave me a laundry list of stuff. Hey, and also this, you know, like she's, it was on a budget. I mean, this was not like going out and buying, you know, the, the high end, high end dollar things. And, and you feel that that's, what's going to get you success. It's, I think it's the application and understanding the, you know, the, the animal that you're pursuing, you know, she had a very good understanding of the field she was going at and, and with, with what she was pursuing and, you know, yeah. if something doesn't work, you know, she change it up. It was just awesome to hear all that. There's so many lessons and things that I would say it's not even just new hunters that I would say experienced hunters sometimes need to hear because if you really apply the basics, you're going to have success. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can, you can definitely, you can overcomplicate it. You can also oversimplify it, but I think particularly with experienced hunters, I think you can overcomplicate things and and think too much and, just take a take a clear and coherent approach and have a plan when you go about it and make make the changes that are necessary definitely goes a long way but yeah it's it it, it can be very easy to go into it it's particularly like when you get into it with clothes realistically at the end of the day clothes don't matter the clothes that i spend money on i'm not particularly buying them for deer hunting i'm buying them for backpacking i'm buying them for going out west and hunting i'm buying them to, to stay dry when I know I'm going to be in severe weather or when I'm going to be camping or something like that, something I can double up. That's the clothes I spend money on. In terms of deer hunting and turkey hunting clothes, I'm just like her. I'm going to academy. I'm buying stuff on sale. Um, if, it's, if its primary purpose is to service camouflage, I'm not going to spend a ton of money on it. Right, right. I'm with you. I mean, it. I have those things where I, I like, yeah, I need camouflage, but comfort, warmth, uh, being dry and being light too. Uh, just like last yeah. weekend went turkey hunting in the morning, it was 28 degrees in the afternoon. It was like 70 some degrees, right. man. So being able to transition to the applicable wear, cause I sure yeah. as heck didn't wear to what I wore in the morning in the afternoon. That didn't happen. Right. Right. And I think with it, with like with that approach, cause I'm like you, if it's, I'm, I'm going out, especially during turkey season, there's a lot of shifting in the, in the temperature pretty quick and I'm going out and I've got, I've got a, in my cold gear, I've got a $250 jacket and a $200 pair of pants that packs down to the size of a Nalgene bottle, you know, but I can buy that because I got on a pair of $10 camouflage pants and a $7.99 long sleeve shirt from Academy. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's a give and a take. And I, I think to spend the money on the stuff that serves more of a purpose than just camouflage. Right. And, uh, 
camp out where you can because it, it really is. It's all marketing at the end of the day. Um, she brought up a good point, like about a poplar tree. Um, I like to hunt in clumps of pines and stuff if I can. Um, a lot of times around here where I'm hunting, it is difficult. You got to get in the hardwood. By the time a rut rolls around, there's no leaves on the tree. Right. Does camouflage make that much of a difference? Probably not. The biggest difference is exactly like she said when she said, be still. Yeah. I don't care what you're wearing. As long as the deer's not looking at you, he's not going to see you. Yeah. They're, they're so, focused on food and they just kind of look around yeah. and you know, they're, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. Cause there's, you know, I let, <laughs> I so early in last deer season, I had a lot, I would, well, probably a lot. It's not, I'm a little exaggerating, but I had some very good opportunities to take out some does early in the season. Um, and I mean, I was very exposed, but there they were. And I was like, nah, I'm going to wait, you know, and we, you and I had these discussions and I tell you what, later in the season, I was like, man, I should have took one of those does. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah, true. I mean, I was right there and I felt like they were looking right at me. They didn't care. I was there and, you know, I had my bow up and I'm just kind of looking, just kind of like, like if I was sighting in to see, you know, how that would work. And yeah, they were, they were right there. They were present, but I was like, ah, you know, they're little, I'm, I'm going to let them go. But, uh, you know, that, that they could have made a couple of good burgers. Yeah. I, I, I shot a couple for myself last year. I don't, I don't particularly discriminate. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, with, with her approach and being patient and all the one thing she kept, she wanted to talk about, she finally got her big buck. And I know at the end of the day, for the most part, we're all meat hunters. And I know what she means when she says she's a meat hunter. She's prioritizing mm-hmm. the freezer. She's prioritizing the freezer over the antlers, just like I do. Um, if it's if it's late in the year, I've got a buck tag to burn. I need some meat in the freezer. I'm still shooting a spike. Um, but to, to finally, after five years, to get to get that big deer, um, it's always special. It's one you never forget. Uh, you you don't ever forget any of them, but that first one uh, tends to stick out. You remember the emotions. Oh yeah, uh, a lot and you could hear it through yeah. her voice and and just how you know. Yeah, it was it was just really amazing to and I I, I mean I kind of felt like I was back in that moment with her and I we were all able to share that with her and I'm so appreciative she was willing to share her story uh, there and I loved. Just, you know, we, we talked about being, hey, I'm, and she was actually, hey, we, we hunt for meat and all that, but she also donated, like she would hunt and donate to families that necessarily were able to provide that for themselves and just being that level of hunter as well. Like, hey, you know what, if I have some success and I got some extra, you know, meat to, to, to spare, and, you know, I'm able to do that. I, I, just a phenomenal hunter. Uh, and uh, yes, it's great to hear, uh, perspective as a female hunter but i think for any hunter in general there's a just a uh a bunch that they can take and learn from marissa and uh, she's just a great ambassador to hunters overall right well and that's why and and i'm glad you, you 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 said that and said from a from a female hunter and the female perspective but not just that but as a hunter because that's one of the reasons, like, I'm not a fan of the term huntress for, for, in terms of me saying it, if you want to call yourself a huntress, that's on you, but I'm not going to tell if that's how you feel, which is fantastic. I would never call like my wife a huntress. My wife's a hunter. 
You know what I'm saying? Like she's no different than me. Right. And I don't think there needs to be a distinction made. If you view yourself like that, that's totally fine. Like I don't have any issues with it, but I, I almost feel like if I was to call someone a huntress, it's almost derogatory coming out of my mouth is how I right. see it. You know I what think I'm saying? I, I want to remember if I called her a huntress or not. I know what I know. I'm pretty sure I called, uh, um, some, another one of our guests, a huntress, but I say it with love. Well, she, she called herself that, which is, which oh, is, which yeah, is yeah. I, cause I know, you know it came you know up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she called her, she called herself that, which was, which was totally fine. Like yeah. I don't have any issues with somebody referring to themselves as a huntress, but like, if I'm going to say, if, if it's some person that I don't know, let's say, right. Say I've never had a conversation with the, the woman and, but I know she hunts. I'd be like, yeah, she's a hunter. Or yeah. yeah, she hunts. I'm yeah. not going to say like, yeah, she's a huntress. Like, I get the, 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 the waiter, waitress, all that, you know, and we do have, but to me, this is, it's one thing to where I just don't draw a distinction between the two when sex is involved. It's like, you're a hunter or you're not a hunter. I could be totally off base and I could be totally wrong. So if anybody feels like I am and they, you know, they I, I to, get like, what you're saying, man. My I, argument, that's fantastic. I think it's really just comes down to the application. If you're saying it to be degrading, right. it's one thing. Uh, because I, I know, like, I think Michelle Wahlberg, like the, uh, the, uh, the, the gal up in Canada, uh, that was on alone season six that was able to interview. Yep. Uh, like yep. she's a straight up badass and she totally called herself a huntress and yeah, <laughs> she will out hunt most people I know, <laughs> but, right, uh, right. but yeah, but I think, I think really, I think that's a great point though, is just how you're applying it. If you're being derogatory, if you're just trying to belittle someone, because I mean, right. off-roading people do that with rigs and stuff. Oh, you just got 33s. Why don't you have 35? Like really dude, you got a four by four. They're happy. <laughs> you know, it really doesn't right. matter. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying though, that. the, the, the theme of yeah. what you're saying and, and that, and in the sense that, Hey, when we're out there, we're all equal. We're, you know, uh, things right. we can learn from that, each other. And, and that's the point that I'm trying to make. I don't want to ever, I wouldn't, to me, I, I just don't want it to come across that I'm, I'm saying, yeah, you're kind of the same. You know what I mean? Right. You're, you're a woman who hunts, you're a hunter. That's kind of like, like, right. like full stop. You, you know what I'm saying? And to, I'm probably really jaded. Because I have, I keep up with like a lot of like a lot of Instagram BS around hunters and stuff, and I'm going to tell you the the the, the women on there that are calling themselves huntresses are they're not Marissa. If I, you know what I'm saying, right, right. They're, they're they're not out there hunting, right? They're, I got they're, you. I, you know what I'm saying. And I do. If, if they are. I hate to be, I hate to generalize, but uh, it, they're doing it for the gram. It's a lot of canned stuff. It's a lot of self-promotion. And th- that's, and so I put a connotation with that word as well. So it's like, yeah. I, it, it, no, it, totally, totally get you, dude. They're like, you know, the, the brand ambassador, the, the, uh, Hey, look at my picture. Not, it, I totally get it. I understand it. Uh, you know, you, you have that in the wheeling crowd too, with a bunch of fake wrenching. You have like somebody in, you know, inside of a engine block and they get a picture and they got a bunch of likes cause they're, you know, pretty person or something like that. But it's really, it's really more about what they look like versus, you know, the, the theme of what they're trying to present. And yeah, people actually like Marissa are out there, you know, going through right. the entire 
you know, uh, trade craft of hunting and learning right. and applying and making those, you know, sacrifices and, and, and yep. all those different things that she's doing. And that's, that's why I feel, like I said, she's a great ambassador to the sport and, and doing and everything. It, doing it on her yeah, own, man. Doing it without a camera around. Yep. Right, dude. It is just great. And yeah, I, I so enjoyed this interview. Absolutely. Absolutely. My, you know, I would say top three interviews uh, that I uh, had uh, so far on this podcast, um, a very special and I really wanted to honor it. And, uh, I learned a lot and it's one of those that I think I would always go back to. Like if, if I ever got in a, in kind of a, a rut where I'm like, Oh God, like, you know, just have a horrible deer season or I'm just not, you know, like feeling it. It's, I think it's one of those interviews you can go back to and get re-energized, recharge and reset with. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it was a good one, man. Um, and it, it it's nice to hear the conversation. Yeah, man. And, and Marissa, it's natural that way. And, and Marissa, this is not uh, like, sir, I hope you, you understand that this is not us like just putting you up on a pedestal. Not we, we truly have just mad respect for you. It's, it's, it's not one of those things at all. Um, I actually called her before the show and let her know that, Hey, I, I'm, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and, put it out tonight because i did this interview back in like i want to say january and i was just kind of holding on to it did a couple other interviews that i got to get out but i really like i said i mean i just wanted this one to be kind of kind of special and, and and you being here and, and us being able to discuss it a little bit and bring it out I, I think it gives it that that honor that i think it needs and um and yeah you you have a lot she's actually going out on her first turkey hunt this weekend so I, oh really yep she told you it's yet she now I, i'm trying to remember she did say that she went out with her son last weekend um and they just they, the the gobbler got spooked they they had one and it kind of like lined up and then something happened it got spooked and you know so it, it took off and <laughs> anyways and turkey got nose and once they get spooked yeah it's gone <laughs> it's oh, yeah. gone so yeah totally understand uh every uh, turkey hunters has been there but yeah she's going to go out and doing that and i, I think too is just the fact she very much uh her and her boyfriend you know kind of like you know they go out and do charters and stuff i actually told her um that i would love to probably get a hold of her and her boyfriend and and potentially go out and do a fishing trip with them man i think that would be super yeah. cool and do a follow-up with them and stuff um but yeah marissa i want you to know that this was something awesome and i'm hoping the listeners get something out of it because if you're thinking about getting in hunting or if you are somebody that has been hunting for decades again i think there's something you can learn and you know things that you can pull from what marissa is sharing and, you know, again, maybe kind of get re-energized because it's not all, and I would say this, what I love about it too is, you know, we talked a lot about deer hunting, but it's not all about, you know, being just a deer hunter. It's about being a hunter in general. If you just take those basics that she applied and, you know, to say deer hunting and you put it into whatever game you're going after, I think you're going to be successful. Yep, for sure. And you, you're talking about the, the new hunters. I'll, I'll kind of circle back to something I mentioned a while ago and go into a little bit more detail. So there's there's a couple groups that I've, I'd say been working with. They've been they've been doing a, a lot of work with some some other groups that I'm involved in. 
Um, one is New Hill Educational Center. I, I believe that's what it is. Uh, for, for right now, that's what we're going to stick with. I'll check on Facebook real quick just to verify. And yeah. another one is Oppor- Opportunity Outdoors. The New Hill Educational Center is something that you kind of you kind of need to look into. They're kind of they're they're essentially have built a program to where they have almost set up for for lack of a better description like a hunting university with like classroom stuff and they're doing webinars and they're doing just an insane amount of effort that they're putting into the education of new hunters they're offering hunts they're doing they're doing as much as they can and they're they're covering everything turkey hunting deer hunting they're expanding it out into small game things like that and the other one opportunity outdoors who these two groups work together um they're they're separate entities but they do work together and they do put on programs together but opportunity outdoors are two guys they're actually north carolina backcountry hunters and angler members they helped out at a North Carolina uh, wildlife uh, getting started outdoors event up at NC State. So they decided, hey, there needs to be more. And I, I've talked about it on previous podcasts. I'm pretty sure the GSO does one day in the classroom and one day in hunting. Realistically, it's not enough. Right. Um, but realistically, at the same time, folks like me and folks at wildlife can't do much beyond the GSO. Um, it's it realistically for me, like if I'm going to take you out and mentor you, you may get one or two more days. Opportunity Outdoors, they've set up a program to where they their objective outside of attending classes and promoting classes and, and education through webinars and things like that, they have set up their their system and their goal is to link mentors and mentees together and right to get on. folks out and about in the field. Yeah. So anybody that's interested in becoming a mentor or a mentee, that's something great to look at. Um, if, you, if you've got the time to, to dedicate and, and to put into it and to help folks out, um, there are different levels, different amounts of time commitments and things like that, uh, mutual beneficial relationships in terms of the returns that you're getting out of it on both sides. So those are two that uh, I, I encourage folks to look at if they're interested in the area. Both of them are around Raleigh. Um, it's actually New Hill Hunter Education and Mentor Program on Facebook. Yeah, make sure that we get those links, Chuck, and I'll make sure to put those yep. in the show notes. That's that's awesome. Uh, and I know that yeah. like you know, North Carolina Wildlife was really limited because they had a lot of in-person seminars they would do, but then yep. when COVID hit and I'm yep. the same way, man. Like I did a, like, I'll be honest. I did a lot of the search stuff, like online stuff. It's just not the same, dude. You don't have the same energy level and knowledge. Yeah. And you, you know, it just, it's just not the same. It is not. Um, so you yep. able to get out with somebody and, and kind of get that guide. Um, you know, we were, we were able to do an event last fall here in Gastonia with the resources commission and do a GSO for whitetail, just like we did last year. We, uh-huh. were, we were COVID safe in the education. We were COVID safe in the hunting day. We went, we went through the trouble, us as a group at, at Gaston Paul's. We put up extra tree stands so, so mentors and mentees weren't in the same tree together. And um, it, it worked, and it was great, you know. But, but my big thing with the GSO and, and, and wildlife, NC Wildlife, they're going to be honest with you about the program. It is, it is, they're not holding hands. 
you know, they're using it as like a jump starter and to give you the basics. Right. So they're really relying on the folks that come to be, to be self-starters. Now, whether that's a self-starter and finding a mentor or just running out into the woods and, and hunt for more to go. And I think that this where new hill and opportunity outdoors, they're filling the gap because they're working in conjunction with the resource commission right. as a, a quote unquote partner. So they're filling that gap and they're trying to extend out the uh, opportunities for folks in order to, to get those people over the hump and to start filling in some gaps and start answering questions, questions that these folks that are showing up to GSO didn't even know to ask at the time of the GSO. Right. And after a couple hunts, they're going, they're asking questions because they've seen more stuff. And it's like, Oh, I didn't think about that. I should ask a question about this or that. So, and I think those two, those two sources are, are fantastic. And those are something we could re- do folks should reach out to opportunity. Outdoors has recently expanded though to the Northeast. So they have opportunity outdoors Northeast on Facebook and Instagram as well. And they're putting together a team up there. Cause that's where, um, one of the guys is, I believe originally from Wisconsin. Andy's originally from Wisconsin, I think. But Evan from Opportunity Outdoors is um, a New Yorker, upstate New York, and has moved down here and been down here for a while. But he's still got connections up there, and they're able to start establishing stuff up there, getting some folks into the woods with that. So, yeah, man, yeah, that, that's I tell you, uh, it is great to, to hear about that. And you know what? I, I think too is it's you know we gotta look at we gotta be honest if. You know, talk is cheap. If you want to get into hunting, if this is something you want to do, the help is there, but you have to do the action. You have to get off that couch. You have to connect yeah. and you have to commit. I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah, these, these are volunteers and I, you know, my, my son's in yeah. civil air patrol and I always remind them that all these people that are committing their time to you are, who are investing you to improve yourself and develop and become a great young man. Um, these are all volunteers. And you, you need yeah. to respect that. So if you're not going to commit, if you're just going there to think, hey, I'm going to stand in it, get in the stand, and 30 minutes later, I'm going to get the biggest buck ever, um, you're probably going there for the wrong reason. And you're probably yeah. not going to be a good ambassador to the, the, the sport or to the to, to hunters in general. Um, you know, it, it's just not really what it's, what it's about. Um, and I think you're missing an opportunity to become probably, I would say, like, there's so many lessons you learn in hunting that really make you, I think, a whole a better person in so many different ways. And I think those are things that are always missed out in messaging uh, when people talk about hunting. Um, just that, like patience is a good one. You know, being able to learn patience and be, being able to understand failure and being okay with that and being able to pick yourself up and go back out into it and, and you know, look for success. And, and then also humility. You know, I know there's some hunters that aren't humble out there. You see a lot of them on shows and stuff, but I I tell you what, some of the hunters I have taken the most from have been the most humble people. And I would say two of them right now would be Chuck and definitely Marissa, like just the humility. And and those are people you really want to listen to right there. So it's, there's so many great lessons to, to make you a better person when you get into hunter and you act into the hunt life and you actually involve yourself into it. Right. Yep. And I, and I, I touched on it earlier, but if, if it's, if it's something that you're, you're wanting to do and, and you, and you want to be, become a hunter and you're going to rely on a mentor mentee relationship and you're a, you're a mentee in this, you, you, you need to this, and this is my opinion 
and I, I try to be really honest with them. But at the end of the day, you're 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 somewhat taking time away from someone else's free time, right? That they care enough about it and they want to show you. If they volunteer to do it, they want to do it. But I think you need to return that respect, and you you need to you need to learn some of the unwritten rules of hunting. Don't steal people's spot, things like that, et cetera. But just help out when you can. Offer to offer to help on land maintenance, things like that. But at the end of the day, you you have to you have to be motivated to learn. And I think that if you're if that's all a lot of mentors are asking is to be to be motivated to learn because realistically, like the opportunity outdoors, they've got folks beating down their door wanting wanting to learn. And so if 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 you're not putting forth the initiative to learn, realistically, I mean, honestly, spots get filled because the the mentors are just few and far between, you know, and that that's across the board. That's just not opportunity outdoors. So I think if somebody gives you the opportunity to show you the ropes, right. You need to re- reciprocate some respect and things like that to, to, to keep them to keep their desire there to help out. Um, and I don't mean that negatively and I'm not saying that folks getting into it or laser or anything. That's just a little piece of advice. That's something that I think like some, some new folks may not necessarily think about from the standpoint of, of, it's not just the hunting. It's it's the fact that whoever's teaching you is taking free time away, and you need to you need to kind of act accordingly and be appreciative and be be self motivated. And and if I know if I take somebody out hunting and I've taken them out two three times or whatever, which at the end of the day after two or three hunts they still haven't learned anything. And and that's not saying that's not them. It's just the nature of hunting. Like you, it's the nuance and the the variables are infinite and you're just never going to learn everything. But right. if I've taken somebody out and I've talked to them a couple of times and then they give me a call and they went hunting by themselves, you know what I'm saying? It's right. like, okay, like you're, you're taking the initiative. You're not relying on me and you're not. And that's, that's the type, that's the type of person that's going to end up getting more mentorship and, and, and like earning, earning, earning more respect. And at the end of the day, when you do it all your own, it's also going to be a lot more fulfilling. Right. And there's so much information like North Carolina wildlife, but you don't have to even limit yourself to the state wildlife. I mean, I know I go to Missouri, the state of Missouri, their, their wildlife management, uh, you know, enter uh website sometimes and learn some things and, and whatnot. Uh, so you don't, ha- you don't have to limit yourself there. And I, you know, I love this, the theme you kind of put there about someone taking that time out. Cause I, I tell you what I had. So I went back to the, uh, Enduring Gratitude event. I every year I go to this in February up at Snow Camp, North Carolina, and, and there's like you know you shoot all the uh, you know clay targets, and then you, you half a day doing that, and half a day going out shooting pheasants and in a field and doing some a pheasant hunt. Right, dude, it was a brutal day. It was brutal. It was like no kidding, like sleet, like you know <laughs> ice all around. Anything that was a branch, it was like just a wet, rainy, cold day. A good chunk of people did not show up and it was very prevalent. Um, and, but you know, we still, they still put the thing on. They're like, Hey, rain or shine, we're going to do it. And the reality is like, some people are like, ah, it's too cold. I'm not going to do it. Then, you know, why'd you sign up? They literally say it's a rain or shine event. And you know, you're not always, and the reality is this is sometimes you don't have the perfect conditions when you go hunting. Um, I didn't think it was going to be 28 degrees when I went hunting my son, but I'd let him know that we're going hunting and, well, it's cold this morning. Yeah. Let's just put some stuff on and we're going to get out there. Um, 
So I, I, I think that's the truth. And I, I love that. If you guys want to, you know, research, I've probably mentioned it on like half the podcasts I've have here. Um, Enduring Gratitude up at Snow Camp. It's a great uh, organization that does a lot of things for veterans and they, they put an amazing thing. You don't pay anything. They take care of everything that you need to have a, a wonderful time up there. And uh, it, yeah, I was pretty disappointed when uh, a good chunk of people didn't show up just because it was, yeah, it was, it was crappy weather. But you know what? I, I was still sitting in the land of the free and I was around some, you know, brothers and sisters and, you know, we met, we had fun with it. So that, that's really what that day's about. And I, I enjoyed it. Um, oh yeah. You know what? One thing I, I forgot to tell you, well, I probably did tell you, but we just never talked about it, but my son got his first year this last season. It was a button buck, dude. Uh, I thought it was a yeah. doe. I thought it was a doe. It was like, oh my goodness, man. And it, you know, it was one of those weird times. Uh, so we were hunting, dude, I don't even remember if it was like December or November. I don't, I don't even remember. But anyways, we were out there at, at, on the coast and um, we're out there for like two and a half days. Didn't see a damn deer or a pig the entire time. It was one of those right, oddities, yep. man. And it was like a warm weekend. It was like 70 degrees or something. I mean, we had some primo spots, 200 yard shots, you know, like great feed like just primo and i was like holy cow dude we didn't see nothing and then at the last day in the evening as the sun's going down here comes this thing walking up and i was like oh man there's a doe you got to take the shot man <laughs> like you, we got to come out with something man you got to do it for your dad man and uh yeah yeah it, it was uh i was so happy for him to have that experience and and we went and got it it was a button buck man it was a button buck so yeah. um i was super I, super excited matter. Yeah, man. Yep. I, I mean, it was just, it was a great moment, uh, for both of us. And, you know, it just goes back to what you're talking about with that mentorship, you know, as a dad and, and being able to take knowledge from someone like you and, and other hunters and, you know, other people who have shared information with me. Cause I wouldn't even consider myself really a hunter until, you know, this last couple of years. I really wouldn't like, have I gone hunting? Yes. Yeah. And all that, but really I, I wouldn't, I would say, you know what, these last couple of years when I really turned into a hunter and being able to take that transfer that knowledge, my son, ensuring that he's safe, him be able to make his own shot, you know, and, and me to just to show encouragement because uh, I can't shoot it for him, if you will. And him of able course. to do that. Yeah. And dude, it was a beautiful shot. Um, uh, you know, went, it did. So he got uh, a piece of the heart, but it went probably, I want to say it went away. It went, it went into the woods about 25 yards uh, and stuff. And I actually did an initial walk around. I didn't find it. And then the, the guy that runs that property, he came out and he's, and, uh, he's like, I'll go look real quick. And cause it was already dark by then. And, and then, uh, yeah, he found it. And cause initially he was disappointed. Like, Oh man, dude, I don't think I got it. It's like, no, nah, man, I think you got it. dude. <laughs> yes, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, that's, that's a killer moment, you know. And and it's I talk to a lot of parents and stuff, and they all kind of echo what you're saying. And it's a, a common thread, especially with 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 some of my buddies and and people that kind of mentored me growing up that are older than me, and they got kids my age and stuff. Common the common theme is is how much more exciting and how much more rewarding it was to watch their their kid take their first animal and. Right. versus their own it's like i'd rather do that a thousand times over again which, oh yeah because like with me with me turkey hunting at the end of the day i don't care who pulls the trigger because it's just so exciting but, oh uh, gosh yeah, i love i know the kid hunting. thing ramps it up 
Yeah, I do. I love the back and forth. Like, even though we didn't get one, I tell you what, my son and I were just, we were just big smiles. And we're happy that uh, our friend, you know, his son was able to uh, harvest one. But we were just happy that we got all that back and forth action. I mean, that's what I love about turkey. Yeah. And I think my son's going to be more of a turkey hunter than a deer hunter when he like grows up into his own. Because he's like, yeah, you know, it's it's just a little bit better than just being in the stand. You know, you you got that activity, that banter. And it, it's kind of like, you know, trying. It's, it's that if you finally get them to where they're playing, they come out and they parade themselves. I mean, I enjoy seeing that part too, man. Like, it's not even just about the harvest and, oh, hey, I got one. You know, I, I feel like there's going to be a point in my life that sometime I'll be like, I'm just going to go out and call turkeys, man, and just enjoy that part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so. I, I, I tell you, um, it's, it's the turkey, the turkey hunting to me, like, it doesn't, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't get any better. Um, like, elk hunting, elk hunting last fall was, was right there with it because of the, the interaction um the the duck hunting's fun because it's you're getting a talk you're interacting with the animals and stuff but there's to me the adrenaline pump and the excitement and the the able being able to hunt with somebody and still talk and everything and you don't have to be super quiet right just the, when it's on it is on and you don't even have to see it for for you to get your blood pumping and and the fact that they're gobbling and especially when they're up in the tree and you don't know where they're going it doesn't get any better, and I think it's the perfect thing to get a kid in the hunting. Everybody yeah. always says squirrel hunting, um, which which I get. I totally understand because you can get up, you can walk, you can move around, um, high success rate. But I just can't imagine any kid that's remotely interested in hunting sitting in the woods in the dark with a turkey goblin inside yep, of the yard. I agree, it's man. Just not, it's not tearing their nerves up. And I base all that knowing like how kids react to like fire engines, you Uh know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and stuff that makes noise is, is, is what gets the kids goat and gets them giggling, gets them laughing, gets them excited. And so I just, when, when that thing's gobbling and it's going crazy and it's going through the woods and you don't know what's going on and they're sitting there looking for it to me, it's, it's, it's the ultimate, like, uh, um, I, I, I don't even know the the the, the ultimate uh, way to like break the seal for a new hunter, uh, just in general. But kids, kids in particular, you don't have to hunt long. You can call it. You can right. call it a day. You don't have to wake up early. So, yeah, it's awesome. I make them wake up early. I need to still like go ahead and be that type of dad. <laughs> oh, I do. I <laughs> but do, uh, I'm up. I'm dude. up early. Like last year, yeah. She wanted to sleep in. I was like, sleep in. I'm going, ended up, uh, called in three birds, uh, by like eight thirty nine o'clock. I was done back at the house. She was up. She put on her camouflage. We went back hunting 10 o'clock. I called in two more birds. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's an all day thing. I, I mean, from 10 to two, as far as I'm concerned is, is some yeah. prime time. But yeah. I'm like you, I'm getting up early. I'm going, but it's, uh, it's, it, there's so much flexibility with it. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a way to get kids into it. I, I think, and I believe wholeheartedly, if you're going to, if you're going to introduce a kid to the outdoors and you're worried about, you're worried about ruining them, which is a worry as a, as a 
deer hunter. Like you don't want to take them too young because you don't want them to get bored. Right. You, you don't necessarily want to take them and let them play video games. It's, you don't want them to be cold. You don't want this. So it's got to be like this perfect scenario. And and I think I think turkey hunt is as close as you're going to get to like that perfect scenario. Yeah, you know, the, there's still maybe some chilly mornings, whatever. But I love that first look, and I think it's a universal look with all hunters of the first gobble, whether you've been working it all day and you haven't heard nothing, all of a sudden you hear it or you just get into your blind and all of a sudden you just make that first call and you get a return. That first look is always big eyes, kind of smile, open mouth, like, Oh my God. And you both just kind of look at each other. Like, Oh, you're so excited. Like that part alone is worth it, man is worth it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, Chuck, we should probably wrap it up too. (laughs) We've been going here for a while. Um, yeah, yeah man. man. Hey, you're welcome back here anytime. Uh, you got an open door, uh, things you got to put out, uh, events you got to promote. Uh, if you want to put some news out, Hey, feel free, dude, always an open door. Now you got a very active lifestyle right now. You got, you know, a lot of things that will be coming. So I'm, I'm really excited for you, but thank you so much for coming back on for this very special episode. And, and, uh, thank you for just sharing your knowledge again. And, uh, we look forward to having you back, man. Yeah, man, uh, dude, I, I super appreciate it. And it's always fun to be on here. Um, it's, I, I, I wish I wasn't as busy as I was and I could make it a full-time gig again, but it is what it is. Um, one thing real quick, I kind of do want to plug, um, got an event coming up this, this summer. And if I can, yeah, absolutely, man, plug away. Uh, so so with, with Gas and Pauls, which I'm the president of and is part of uh, the North Carolina Wildlife Federation, we're doing a, uh, it's called uh, Great, Outdoor, uh, Great Outdoors Family Day. And so long and short of it is, is we're doing skeet shooting, uh, a turkey shoot, competitive turkey shooting afternoon all kinds of other events like shooting BB guns, ax throwing, silent auction, uh, raffles here in Gastonia. And it's, it's to raise money for not only Gaston Paul's, but bit of hope ranch, which is another nonprofit. That's kind of our, they're essentially, they're our neighbor at a farm that we utilize for all of our events. And so what, what kind of what their mission is, is they do, um, counseling services through the use of horses, essentially, and, um, Christian organization and really, really good people. And it's, I would love for people to show up and, and, and come out to it. Uh, don't get me wrong. But the one thing that I do want to promote is if you can't make it and you don't live in the area, um, they have recently at bit of hope ranch there was a a vet that showed up with his son and in discussions with uh the the essentially he's he's one of the owners when discussing with him this this veteran uh indicated that yeah veterans still do like to shoot shoot guns uh you know it's not something that they have an aversion to once they they come home and whatnot and got to talking about this event he was talking about how awesome it would be and this that and other thing well it kind of spawned an idea well the idea that got spawned is is we have added the ability for folks to go online and even say say you can't attend the event you can go online and buy uh what we've called a veterans ticket 
Right. And that that ticket will be reserved and given to a veteran and one guest, more than likely I would assume it would be their child, but um be given to, to one of the to a guest for them to come free of charge and to participate and to hang out and uh take part. So that's uh if, if anybody's feeling generous and, and would like to purchase tickets, it's fifty bucks. It goes it goes back to a good cause. Plus, it's also given back to uh, to somebody that's uh, done a great service to this country, and I feel that probably deserves it more than anybody. So, if it you, when you get online to buy the tickets, you'll notice that it requires you to input some information for the attendees. If you just want to in, enter your own information uh, for each attendee, that would be fine. Add in the notes section, veteran ticket. It'll indicate that it's a veteran ticket, but if you still just want to enter in the notes section and then we'll make sure to assign that to, uh, somebody that's, that's very deserving of it. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Make sure I get that link. I'll put in the show notes, man. This show's show notes are going to be super long, but that's awesome. I, I love it. Marissa gave me a bunch of stuff. Uh, you're giving me a bunch of stuff, and, and I love that people can go in and find all these great things in the show notes and, and reference. Yep. And we'll make sure to – yeah, when is that uh, event going to be? It's May 22nd. May 22nd. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah, and kind of due to the nature of it, unfortunately, if it rains, we're set up to be able to do it on the 23rd. But after that, if we're, if we're not able to do it, we're just not able to do it. And, and then we appreciate everyone's generous donation. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um so, but yeah, if it check out, check out bit of hope's website, their website is bit of That'll be in the show notes as part of the event, because you'll go to their website to purchase tickets. Um, Piedmont area wildlife storage is our Facebook page. Uh, you can go there. It'll direct you to our website and everything, but yeah, man, it's, um, it's something that we're, we're doing, trying to generate a little bit of money, um, give back a little bit. So it, it, that we're at Gaston Paul's we'll get to keep half of the profits and it'll go towards to support our mission with the scouts and, and different conservation projects local to us. But, um, the, the big driver for me is like, I, I like what bit of hope does and I don't mind partnering with them and helping them out with an event that, that kind of falls in our wheelhouse to help them out. So. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Chuck. Hey, that's great stuff. And I appreciate it. And again, uh, the door's always open. If there's things and events and whatnot, you can always send me an email. I'll make sure to put a plug into the show as well. So, hey, thanks for being on here, man. And, uh, uh, thanks for staying in touch, and uh, we'll see you again. For sure, brother. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks for listening to the Route 1 Six Grind. We want to thank Nexon Tire, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, Power Tank, C-State Coffee, and Route 1 Six Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 1 Six. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe. And always be prepared. Going to get me that turkey.